Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 136 of Midweek Metagame. I'm HaremTG, joined by no one. Um, yeah, sadly this week, Gab has COVID, Pat has work and Teddy commitments, so we had the option between no episode this week, or I do it on my own, so... Um, yeah, we're testing out something new this week. I'm doing this on my own, so, you know, cut me some slack. I don't have people to criticize probably my skewed opinions, but I'm going to get through a lot of magic stuff this week. Um, before the episode begins, though, I want to give a quick shout-out to our um, Discord. Uh, many of you have joined the Midweek Metagame Discord, so shout-out to all of you. You've been sending us deck lists. You've been asking us matchup questions. You you know, we've given some guides to our Patreons in the Discord. So please join the uh, the podcast Discord, and there are obviously Patreon rewards inside the Discord itself. But we want to have you in there having discussions with us because me, Pat, and Gab are all messaging in there almost daily, uh, replying to your questions and uh, all that jazz. And... Before we get into things, though, this podcast is sponsored by Card Market, so shout out to them. If you want deck boxes, sleeves, accessories, anything Magic the Gathering related, please go check out Card Market. doesn't even have to be Magic the Gathering related. can be Digimon, Pokemon, Flesh and Blood, and all that stuff. Um, I should also say that, you know, I mentioned Patrons. We do have three new Patrons this week, Sammy, Hadre, and Jordan. Thank you so much for sponsoring our content. Gab and Pat are very thankful for your support, and uh, thank you everyone listening. But, you know, enough of that. I guess, last reminder, please join the Discord. We really would like you in there. And you can find the link to join the Discord on any of our social media. But the easiest way to find it is at the Midweek Metagame Twitter page. And it'll also be in the description of this episode. Okay, so I'm going to be talking about both Modern and Pioneer this week. Uh, hopefully give a little metagame breakdown of both of them and also talk about the decks that I've talked about this week. Sorry, not talked about the decks that I've played this week as I'm streaming almost daily now, which is pretty good. And I'm getting a lot of testing in for both formats. So starting off in modern, you know, I did play a lot of blue-white control. Um, I specifically played, I don't know if it was a Wafotapa list, but I played a list with Kahira. And this caused a lot of controversy because everyone was telling me how Snapcaster Mage is so good in Modern and how could I play Blue-Eyed Control without Snapcaster Mage in my deck. So, you know, I wanted to try it out. Must have been a Wafotapa list, let's be real, I'm always copying his deck lists. Um, and I really liked it. I've played both a Blue-Eyed list this week with Snapcaster Mage and a Blue-Eyed list without Snapcaster Mage. And one thing that you recognize when you play the list without snapcaster mage is your solitudes not only really hurt your hands but also you draw way less of them and i think solitude is really well positioned in the format right now with how many must kill creatures there are you know you can only draw so many prismatic endings um so i think off the bat people say you know why are you playing kahira well this simple answer is i'm these decks that play Kahira play four Solitude, and having three mana, you know, pay three mana, Solitude pitch the Kahira is very, very relevant and comes up a ton. Now, what also comes up a ton is if I'm playing Snapcaster Mage in my deck, the card is extremely expensive. You know, back in the back in the day when we were playing four mana for Cryptic Command and, and whatnot, um, you could play Snapcaster Mage, but I feel really now, with no ops, and you're playing two Snapcaster Mage, I always find it pretty you know it sucks quite quite a lot i don't like it 
And the only play that I really like is Snap Prismatic Ending. Um, and, yeah, I mean, that doesn't come up a lot. You do have Snap Consider in a lot of Snap builds, but, you know, then your whole deck changes. The Snap build that I was playing was the Waffo Tapper one without Consider and with Chalice of the Void. So if you are playing Snap and Consider, okay, you do have the three mana value plus Snap Prismatic Ending. But I just feel like you're trying to fit so many cards into the deck to make Snapcaster Mage work when I feel like you just don't need it when you have Archmage's Charm. You can just use your three mana to Divination in the Kahira list. Um, and I also want to highlight, I think a lot of Magic players assume that when, or at least a lot of my viewers, they see my deck list and they see, okay, no Snapcaster Mage. Harry thinks Snapcaster Mage is terrible. He's never playing it with again. That's what I feel like, honestly, every comment I get, people always tell me how big brain they are because they're playing Snapcaster Mage and not Kahira and whatever. I'm just trying out deck lists. Cut me some slack, you know? Cut me some slack, I, I swear. The amount of Snapcaster Mage uh, hype beasts, I would call them, in my comment section whenever I'm not playing a Snapcaster Mage is actually insane. I want to say, I don't think Snapcaster Mage is bad. I think it's great. I just don't have the mana to cast it. It's like saying, like, I don't know, Emrakul the Aeon's Torn. That's a good magic card if you can cast it, but I'm not going to put that in Modern Burn, am I? Because you don't have the mana to do anything with it. So it's kind of similar. Obviously, that's a hyperbolic example, but it's very similar to this Snapcaster Mage case. I do find that you have so many premium spells in Modern Blue right, right now that it's really hard to find this time and the mana to get value that you want and... Also, the Snapcaster Mage to be better than any of the Planeswalkers in your hand. It's just awkward. I don't, I'm not a big fan of it right now. And that's what I wanted to say is I think it's a good card and I'm sure it will be played in blue white a lot. But right now, with how low to the ground these decks are, I want four solitude in my deck. And I don't want four solitude in my deck if I don't have a Kahira in my sideboard because. When I play with Snapcaster Mage lists with Solitude, I'm always pitching a Teferi Time Raveler or a Teferi Hero of Dominaria or a Wandering Emperor, which I really dislike. Um, sorry for going on for that so long, but I feel like that is the most common blue-white question I get right now. And I think it's quite important to uh, kind of evaluate what you want to do with the deck. Like, I don't think the Snapcaster Mage builds are bad. If someone asks me, oh, what do you prefer, Kahira or Snap, my simple answer is what I was saying. If you want four solitude, go with the Kahira list. If you're not interested in solitude, go 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 with Snap. Um, kind of breaking down other builds of the deck, I do have four favorite cards that I'd like to highlight that I think you should be playing in blue white control, regardless of if you're playing with Kahira or Snapcaster Mage. And the first card that I want to talk about is Chalice of the Void. I think this is a really good card in blue white right now. I wouldn't be sleeping on it because I think that. A lot of decks fold to this card. I think you can get a lot of free wins. And that's what you're really looking for. Because I think a big problem that Blue-White Control has is that a lot of decks are playing cards like Urza Saga, Renin Six, Ragavan. A lot of cards where they play or they cast it and you're just like, well, they have the nut draw, I'm kind of locked out of the game. Or I've got to play towards, you know, killing these cards. They've got instant win cards. That's what I'm saying. You know, 
and we want instant win cards in our deck, and luckily, Chalice of the Void is an instant win card against a lot of decks. For example, against Murktide region, you play Chalice on one, and then kill their Ledger Shredder and kill their Murktide, they're struggling. They gotta spend a lot of time expressive iteration for another threat. The Ragavans, the Channelers do nothing. Um, I love Chalice of the Void on one against them. Chalice of the Void on one against Hammer Time, that's obvious. Their win con is one mana, Sigardizade is one mana, blah de blah de blah Burn. All the bolts, all the creatures apart from Eidolon, you know? Then you have the Cascade decks, you have Living In, you have Crashing Footfalls, put it on zero. You got Death Shadow, put it on one again. Um, I'm literally looking at the MTG Goldfish modern metagame right now, and I can see one, two, three, four, five, six decks out of what? 10? 6 out of 10 decks, I'm literally so excited to have Chalice on the board on, on the table, either turn 1 or turn 2. That's why I really, really want to be playing Chalice Avoid in Modern Blue-White right now. And uh, that's why I have been playing 3. Um, now, you do have the problem of if you draw Chalice of the Void in a, in a matchup where it's bad, that sucks. But if I'm having an instant win or a very favoured game against 6 of the 10 top decks then I'm not going to complain if I draw it against a matchup where it's bad. Um, that's kind of it for Chalice of the Void. I want to move on to the Wandering Emperor. Now, Wandering Emperor to me is honestly one of the best cards in blue-white right now. I think it wins me the most games. And that's specifically because it's um, so powerful beyond the minus two. I think with Solitude, Solitude is great, but being five... I'm talking about Hardcast Solitude, not Evoking Solitude, by the way. The Hardcast Solitude is very similar to the Wandering Emperor minus two, but don't forget, Wandering Emperor gains you two life, and as well as the Wandering Emperor's one less mana. That's so, so, so huge. And you get into spots where you can, let's say, have Teferi Hero on the board, you can cast it, untap two lands, you've just got a two-mana Planeswalker. Um, you can do so many different combat tricks, either making a 2-2, giving your creature first strike and a plus one, plus one counter, exiling a, an attacker from the opponent. You know, it's very good at getting rid of creature lands and just building a board and helping you win the game. Whereas Solitude, you cast your Solitude and it exiles something and then maybe you block and it dies. I just feel like Solitude dies quite easily, whereas Wandering Emperor gets around a lot of things differently um, because you're, it's, it's going to stay on the table for longer and accumulate more value and it works well with your other cards, especially if you're not playing Kahira. Kahira obviously pumps Solitude, while Wandering Emperor pumps any creature you'd like. Um, honestly, I think the best thing about Wandering Emperor is it's a 4-mana Solitude that does way more. Uh, I would definitely play at least one in most blue-white lists. I'm not sure what would cause me to not want to play Wandering Emperor. I definitely think it's a minimum one of. Now, the next card that I'm going to get into is Dressdown. Dressdown is a card that we played in the sideboard initially as this ambulance goes by. Dressdown is a card that we initially played in the sideboard, and then I believe it was Wafo Tapu who first brought it into the main, and that was one of the smartest things ever. There's a lot of Enter the Battlefield effects in Modern right now. There's the a lot of the Urza constructs from Urza Saga. 
there's just so much that you can do with dress down, like even undying, for example, against Yogmoth. Flash that dress down in on their end step. Um, then you can untap with the dress down because of the way the end step trigger is worded. Supreme verdict and all the undying creatures don't come back. I really, really like dress down. I wouldn't stress, you know, put one or two in the main, or if you're putting one in the main, have one in the sideboard, because this card is really, really good. And at worst, it's two mana draw card. It's similar, very similar to Spreading Seas. I honestly would say it's the modern day Spreading Seas right now, and it has Flash, so who would even complain about that? The amount of constructs I've wiped with Dress Down is insane, as well as things like Amulet Titan. You know, Dress Down in response to the Titan, you've got a 6-6 Colossal Dreadmar, Untap, Supreme Verdict, something like this. I can never complain. Um, as well as... Um, you know, there's just there's just loads of creatures. I can list them off forever. I, I don't want to go on and on about dress down. Um, the next card, I think I think this won't be surprise to anyone, but I think Memory Deluge is a card to stay in control decks. I really like that Memory Deluge is better than Factor Fiction for one specific reason, and it's that when you tap out for Memory Deluge, you're not technically putting all the shields down because you have cards like solitude in your deck and maybe potentially force of negation so just because you tap out on their end step for uh memory deluge doesn't mean you're putting the shields down as well as you could even sorcery speed memory deluge if you think that's necessary like sorcery speed memory deluge isn't bad against a fairy time raveler because you do have things like solitude in your deck which is really great and if you're playing a deck I guess four color control doesn't play it, but if somehow you have fury in your deck or whatever, all these free evoke creatures are great with memory deluge, and that's what I really like about it. So, you know, those four cards, Chalice, Wandering Emperor, Dress Down, and Memory Deluge are the ones that I've really, really liked in Blue White, and I feel like they've won me the most amount of games. Not not counting, you know, the the classic shell cards like Archmage's Charm and Teferi Time Raveler. Like, those always win you games. But I'm talking about specific new cards that we haven't really broken down to full extent. I really like and you sh I think you should be playing. Um, overall, blue-white control, though, in Modern, I am honestly saying that it's, it's going a bit downhill. Um, uh... I'm finding that I'm not getting time to cast my spells because people are consistently double spelling on turn two, it feels. And with Prismatic Ending being an extremely powerful removal spell, it's great if I have it in my hand. But honestly, you know, we have four Prismatic Endings, but these decks have like 12 to 14 potential double spells. So, you know, they're more consistently double spelling and we are less consistently answering it. So I think that blue-white control has a huge speed issue right now. And to help with the speed, you got to play more Solitudes. And Solitudes card disadvantage. While it's nice, you know, to get rid of things for free and whatever. At the end of the day, it costs you cards. So blue-white control, I think, is in a struggling position. And I think that hopefully Chalice of the Void in the main going up on Chalices is what's here to help us. But definitely a tough time in the format um i would definitely put it at tier two i think you can easily 5-0 or top eight a modern challenge with it but i think you would have to be quite lucky to win a modern challenge with it so that's my overall thoughts of blue white control and let's move on to the next deck that i played this week i played modern jund 
Um, I thought that, you know, it'd be a funny meme to, like, say, like, oh, I'm cosplaying Reduke for the day or whatever and play a bit of Modern Jun because I saw it on MTG Goldfish. And I was like, that's some pretty good clickbait for YouTube, let's be honest. And somehow, not only did I 5-0, I 5-0-10-0, I didn't lose a single game. Now, while that sounds really good, I want to say that I didn't really play against a lot of meta decks. I'll get up my matchups right now. Um, but the deck basically is just Jund with Ragavan, Urza Saga, and Renin Sixes in the deck. Okay, so this is what I played against matchup-wise. In round one, I played against Mono Blue Tempo. In round two, I played against Mono Blue Tron. In round three, I played against Hammer Time. In round four, I played against Esper Stoneblade. And in round five, I played against Blue White Control. So I played against a deck with blue in it all five rounds, um, which I presume is somewhat good for Jund. If I'm playing Thoughtseize and Ragavan, that seems pretty good against blue. Um, and honestly... I thought the deck wasn't that bad. You know what the deck felt like? It felt like a deck where I was saying, okay, I'm going to play Urza Saga, and if I don't have Urza Saga in hand, then I'm Jund. And while that doesn't sound really great, the deck is really, really good at pumping Tarmogoyf now, as well as I think the format in general is really good at pumping Tarmogoyf right now. What are all the Murktide Regent players and all the Unholy Heat players doing? They're assembling Delirium, and that's what Tarmogoyf wants. So, I felt like my Tarmogoyfs were consistently huge, especially with Urza Saga. Consistently huge. So, that was great. You also just have Ragavan, you also just have Renin Six and Liliana of the Vale. I genuinely felt like this deck, I was going, okay, I have an Urza Saga, I'm going to make my tokens and get my Shadow Sphere or my um, or my draw card artifact, and then I'm just going to play Jund cards. Because don't forget, when you're paying mana to make Constructs with Urza Saga to dash Ragavan, you're drawing cards, and I think people undervalue that a lot. Your opponent's scrambling to kill your Urza Saga stuff, and while you're just spending mana on your lands, you're drawing cards. And that's really powerful, and it allows you to draw into Renin Six. It allows you to draw into Season Pyromancer. You can get a Mishra's Bubble from the Urza Saga to use that fetch land that you drew to scry. So I felt like the deck was very well designed at doing what a mid-range deck with Urza Saga would do. Now, would I say this deck is good in the modern format? I really don't know because I didn't play against any Cascade decks or Murktide, which I think would have been a very good indicator of how consistent this game plan would be because I think it's quite easy against a blue deck, you know, five blue decks to do this game plan of Urza Saga, make a, make a load of tokens and then have a load of spells in hand. That's quite easy against blue because you're trying to go under counter spells. So... While Murktide Region is a counterspell deck, I think it's more relevant because they can bolt Unholy Heat your Construct and then you, you know, you gotta play into their stuff. So, honestly, I would prefer to play Jund than Blue Light Control right now from my experience over the past week. But I think that it's easy to say my opinion is skewed because I had loads of good matchups and I probably drew quite well to go 5 0 Um... But I don't think I would pick either Blue White Control or Jund for a tournament if I was wanting to win. 
and that's just because of consistency and I'm really starting to have the mentality in Magic right now where it's like, why try and beat the best deck? Just play the best deck and let everyone try to beat you. You know, if you have cyborg cards for the best deck, you've got to draw the cyborg cards. Why don't you just cast the busted cards or play the busted lands, you know? And that's an approach I've taken to the past two tournaments, two major tournaments that I've attended. I attended the big Axion Now Mega Modern, which was 130 players, and I top-aided. And then I took that mentality to the Pioneer Showcase, where I won the whole thing. So I really think in Magic right now, I'm, I'm deviating away from this idea of I want to beat the best deck with my pet deck. And while I'm lucky to have access to a load of cards and mana traders and whatever, I think with this position, I would rather play the best deck. Um, and I think that kind of goes on into the next list that I tried out this week, which was Teamer Rhinos. Um, I'm friends with Archie in the UK. Um he's his magic online username is Arceus dota and he came first place in the modern challenge this past week so obviously i had to try it out for my youtube and my twitch stream and i would say that team of rhinos impressed me more than i thought it would you know, I definitely do have the opinion that Team of Rhinos is worse than Living End, but we're getting to that kind of dredge point in the past, you know, where dredge was bad because everyone played Graveyard Hate, so no one played dredge, but then no one was playing Graveyard Hate anymore because there was no dredge, so dredge came back. Blah de blah de blah. I think this is subtly happening on Magical Line with Living End, and I think that's why Team of Rhinos comes and goes. Um, I personally would go with Living End because I think that you have way more explosiveness because with Rhinos, let's say you go turn 2 Ice, turn 3 Shardless Agent, you have 10 power on the board, you still have to attack twice. Whereas Living End, you oh, sorry, the 10 power on the board can be removed. You know, you can have double Prismatic Ending, Prismatic Ending to Fairy Time Raveler, you can have an Unholy Heat in there, you can have a Brazen Borrower, you can have all of these things. Whereas I feel like with the living end, you living end, wipe the board, and get a lot of hexproof guys on the table. Um, and that's more convenient and less kind of hoping that your opponent doesn't have it-esque type effect. And I also think that living end has more consistency in hating the opponent out because you do have grief, which I think is a lot better than the tools that that Rhinos has because Rhinos you're playing four Brazen Borrower, two Bone Crusher, and we have two Prismari Command, Dead Gone, Fire Ice. You know, and these cards are all good, but they do feel quite clunky when you don't have a cascade in hand, or they deal with all your rhinos and now you just have clunky spells. Um because obviously you need you know these weird spells that don't get cascaded into. Whereas with Living End, it's less of, you know, trying to interact with your opponent on a board level, and it's more like, I'm going to cycle to Cascade, and I'm going to use my Force of Negations and Griefs that I draw to stop you from doing things that will hurt my graveyard, and I don't care about your board, because your board is going to get wiped by my Living End. So, my experience with Rhinos was, I thought it was pretty decent. I went 3-2... My two losses felt like RNG because I wasn't drawing the Cascade spells and my opponent's uh, hands lined up against nicely against mine. But I think that also comes with the fact of 
Don't forget, when you cast your Cascade spell, it's not a guaranteed win, and it's very fragile, and they just can be blocked. So that's that's kind of my logic on on um, on uh, Rhinos, and I think that my last point I will make on the deck is that I really like the way the deck sideboards. Three Blood Moon, four Mystical Dispute, four Force of Vigor, four Leyline of the Void. This is very consistent and easy to sideboard with, especially against a lot of the top decks in the format. And I'm very... I, I applaud this list from Archie. I do like the deck. But I think that, you know... I mean, it's hard to judge a deck that I don't like to play. Like, I'm sure I made mistakes, but I just don't think that that's what I want to be doing in the format. I think that, re like, really my point stands. I don't think that this is the most degenerate thing you can do. So I don't think that's what I would want to play in a tournament. Um, now, those are all the main decks that I tried out in Modern this week. And I wanted to do a little metagame breakdown for all of you because I feel like a lot of the time, every podcast episode, we talk about what we've played, what we've played against, talk about the Modern Challenge Top 8 sometimes. I just want to break down the metagame. And I want to talk about what I see in leagues. Um, specifically in leagues, the most popular deck is easily Blue Red Murktide. Now, I don't know if that's because of money reasons or because it's a lot of fun or maybe it's secretly the best deck, but I see Blue Red Murktide a lot. Four-color elementals and four-color control, I see the least. However, I think it's probably one of the most powerful, and that's because of money. And this is where the modern metagame gets weird because people don't have... 1 to 2k to drop on a deck, and that affects the metagame. And I think that, you know, uh, these decks being so expensive will really skew Watsy's results, because let's say that four-color control is not a good deck in the format, but the people who can afford it are all godlike magic players, and they play it perfectly, and even though it's a 45% deck against the format... Maybe they have a 58% win rate against them because they're all playing so good. Now, this might be a very poor, poor point of view, but I think that uh, elementals and four-color control being so expensive makes it hard to judge because I never play against it. And that's that's really the point that I'm trying to make. So, my opinion on four-color control, I don't really know. What I can say is that I think that you have, honestly, probably the best cards in those colors in your deck. And, well, that just must be good, right? I don't think there's really much else to say apart from the deck has to be good because there's a load of good cards in it. Um, when I saw the deck being played in paper when I was in London, I thought that the deck looked really good. And Murktide felt more of of a lesser deck than four color control just watching you know walking around the room watching people play like magic players do at a tournament i honestly felt like the blue and murktide players always looked like they were in weird spots and the four color control players even though they had 80 cards in their deck they always looked like they were doing the same thing um i really think that four color control even though it's 80 cards seems very consistent and you just have a load of busted cards in it so i would say that Four color is the best deck in the format right now. I personally really like it. I think that I would go with it for a tournament, and I think that Omnath is really, really good. I get a lot of ban talk questions. I think if anything could be banned to nerf the deck, 
I think they would go for Omnath. Because, let's be real, Watsi, although they don't acknowledge the secondary market, suspicious things go on. So I think I wouldn't be surprised if Omnath gets the axe. And honestly, I wouldn't hate it too much. Because I think that I lose the most games to Omnath and not really the other cards. Like, Renin Six is annoying, Teferi Time Raveler is annoying, but I don't think that they are, like, cards that consistently win the deck games. I've definitely lost to game... Uh, sorry, I've definitely won games where Teferi and Ren have stayed on the table. Whereas I've never won a game against Four Color Control where Omnath has stayed on the table. Okay, next we've got Hammer Time. This is a deck that I think is tanking, not only in power level, but in popularity. I don't see it as much, and when I see Hammer Time, I honestly crush it. I think without Luris, this deck is really struggling. Many decks are now uh, playing the Reconfigure Artifact, the Reality Chip. I think that's your one way to kind of battle having no Luris, but I have not been a fan of Hammer Time. And I say that looking at the modern challenge results, we have one in third place and one in seventh place in both weekend challenges. I don't think it's bad. I do think Hammer Time is tier one. But I'm talking about if you rewind three months, Hammer Time was really good. Hammer Time was really good with Lurus. And taking that away, I'm not too sure how much I like Hammer Time now. Maybe I'm playing decks that just crush Hammer Time, or maybe the opponents are making mistakes because... Hammer Time is very similar to something like Infect, where every decision matters. Throwing away a card by mistake can lose you the, the game easily. So, sorry about that. Um, so, uh, let me take a, a, a sip of my water. Wow, I'm ranting. Hopefully you guys like this episode. Let me know in the uh, podcast Discord if you've liked it so far. I guess if you made it this far in. I'm literally just rambling off the top of my head. But, um... Where was I? Hammer Time. Yeah, I think that as well as if I was a Hammer Time player, I would be very concerned about just kind of how much removal there is in the format. I don't really know what advice I would give to tackle this. I just feel like if you're a Hammer Time player, you want to be playing loads of uh, Blacksmith skill or potentially Prismatic Ending if there's loads of Chalices of the Voids. Maybe Giver of Runes go up on Giver of Runes, because you already have Esper Sentinel, maybe you need more protection, more cards that just eat removal spells, so I'm not sure what I would do with Hammer Time, but what I can say is that I do feel like the deck's power level has gone way, way down, um, definitely. Okay, what we got next in the modern format? Yawgmoth, oh wow. This is one of those decks, it feels very similar to Hammer Time, not as a power level, but as the story. Remember Hammer Time? It started as a Saffron, Ave Saffron Olive meme deck, and then, you know, slowly, slowly, slowly got better. This, to me, is Yawgmoth. I thought Yawgmoth was a meme deck into Tier 3, then it was like Tier 2, now it's climbing to Tier 1. I really think it's doing a lot better. Because people are really leaning into the best cards in the deck, which is Gris the Hunger Tide, Yawgmoth, and Court of Calling. So, I also think that, you know, the magic community takes time to understand how good a deck is. And I think now that people really understand, like, I'm, I'm seeing great plays that I don't see my opponents making. Not because I see it and I assume they're dumb. I don't see it and they make the play and they punish me. That happens a lot against Yawgmoth. That deck is so confusing. And I think that now people are leaning into these pros, the deck is getting really good, and I'm seeing it a lot more. 
So, not much else to say, apart from Yawgmoth players, keep doing your thing, you're doing well. Burn is also here in the top decks in the format, not really sure why, you know, sometimes Burn is good, sometimes Burn is, isn't, I'm not really going to spend too much time rambling about Burn, and I'm sure you guys would all fall asleep, so if you're going to bed, then I could talk about Burn, but I'm sure that a lot of you are at work right now, and I don't want to get your managers mad. Um, Amulet Titan, though. Amulet Titan is next on the metagame list, and I think that this deck is good, and I'm scared what this deck will do now that they're going back to Cultivator Colossus. For those who don't remember what Cultivator Colossus is, it's the 7-mana Star Star, where when it enters the battlefield, put lands from your hand into play. Now, and draw a card for every land. Now, what I didn't realize with Cultivator Colossus is the way it's essentially worded is it's put every land into play and most likely draw a Titan. So it's 7 mana, XX plus Titan, probably GG. Or I played against a Titan player who went Cultivator Colossus, put 17,000 lands into play, untap my Slayer Stronghold, attack you with an Infinity Infinity Cultivator Colossus, and I think that... Now that people are going back to this card, it, it, it's it's very scary. And I think it kind of all leans into the fact that, um, you know, their mana seems a lot faster now that they're playing a Boil Grazers to play around all these Ragavans and Chandlers and all these fast creatures. They're getting lands into play way faster, so 7 mana isn't as unattainable as it seemed to be in the past. Now, I'm not a Titan player, so I don't want to speak for them. I don't know specifically why they didn't play Cultivator in the past, and now they are, and then they didn't. So all I can say is what I've played against so far has been very scary. And I would, you know, definitely consider Amulet Titan in your when you're making your sideboards. You know, can you fit that Blood Moon in? Can you fit that Force of Vigor in? Because killing Urza Saga plus Dryad or Urza Saga plus Amulet or Dryad Amulet, all GG uh, lines to beat Titan. Then... Um, going on to the next deck, I'm going to group them in one. We've got Rhinos and Living End. I've already talked about them extensively. I will say that I don't think these decks are, you know, it's really hard to play these decks because I don't think, while I was talking about Dredge and Graveyard Hate against Living End, I'm also thinking that there's a lot of just general Cascade Hate coming into the format now. We've got Chalice of the Voids. Hammer Times playing Lavinia's now, some of them. So, you know, and we've got Teferi Time Ravelers out of the four-color control. So I don't know how I would classify Living End and Footfalls, but I would say that, again, these are decks that I would not be surprised to play against, but I also wouldn't be too concerned about. I think that, you know... I don't know, I just feel like all the decks that I play, I just, whenever I play against Living End or Rhinos, it feels quite nice. Because at the end of the day, they are clunky decks that are playing nice Cascade spells. So, you know, I would still give them credit, but I'm not too fussed to play against them. I'm more scared to play against Murktide or Yawgmoth with most of the decks that I play. Then to top off the metagame, we have Death Shadow. This is a deck that I think, honestly, I would just call Grixis Murktide at this point. Your Death Shadow is essentially your Murktide regions, and you're playing for Ledger Shredder. So, this deck is really hard to play. Really hard to play. I played a league with it and went 
Um, so if your opponent is playing Death Shadow, I'd be afraid of them. I'd be afraid of them because they're probably good at magic. But what I, you know, I, I think that incidentally, there's a lot of hate for Death Shadow because people are hating against Murktide region and... You know, it's quite easy to kill a one-drop with, like, Fatal Pushes, Engineering Explosives, Chalice on one. I feel like, incidentally, because of Ragavan, there's a lot of Death Shadow hate. So, again, you know, I think these are the top decks that I would be concerned about going into a league. Really looking at the MTG Goldfish, the only two decks that I wouldn't count is Burn, and for some reason there's Blink there. Like, there's Burn and Four Color Blink, but Four Color Blink, Four Color Control, they're essentially the same. It just depends if they're playing Risen Reef or a lot of Elementals or not. So, that's my modern metagame breakdown. I hope that was useful for you, kind of just talking about what I think of each deck. And feedback for this section as well would be nice, because when Gab or Pat is here, maybe, you know, maybe every four episodes at the end of the month, we want to do a metagame breakdown for you or something. Joining the podcast discord is the best way to influence our content because you know with twitch we got a twitch chat with youtube we got the comment section with a podcast we don't know we're just hoping you guys click every week so feedback always appreciated uh you can find the link in our twitter page at midweek metagame on twitter but now i want to move into the pioneer section of this episode it's not going to be long i'm not going to keep you hostage for too long because i don't think pioneer is very active but I'm going to say that I think the three top decks are green, blue-white control, and Rakdos, and I don't really play against anything else in leagues, honestly. Um, I think green is clearly the best deck. Obviously, I'm biased because I won a tournament with it, but the power level of green is still extremely high. I 5-0'd with green this week. Um, I also 5-0'd with blue-white control, I believe, or maybe I 4-1'd, I don't quite remember. And both decks I really liked. And then Rakdos is at the top because I don't know why. Rakdos feels to me like a 49% deck. Every time I play against it with green, I beat it. I think the only reason why Rakdos is doing well right now is because it beats blue-white control and blue-white control beats green. So you kind of have this triangle. You have green that beats Rakdos. You have blue-white control which beats green. And you have Rakdos which beats blue-white control. That keeps your triangle at the top. And then you have the mono-blue spirits trying to slide in to beat green as well, but then you have the problem of blue-white control and Rakdos being favored against mono-blue spirits, or at least at least 50-50, which is not good for mono-blue spirits. Um, other kind of comments on the format, I think that blue-red has definitely tanked because of the ban of expressive iteration. I think the deck is still playable, I think Arclight Phoenix is good, but I think that you actually struggle mostly against green now because Thing in the Ice is harder to flip without expressive iteration. You're playing cards like Pieces of the Puzzle, which is so clunky. The amount of times my Phoenix opponent has gone Pieces of the Puzzle and I just go, okay, Karn, Tormod, Crypt you, and they lose is actually quite, quite high. I'm not a fan. And I think that the only two decks that I would be thinking that could slide into Tier 1 in Pioneer right now is Mono Red or Boros Aggro or Boros Feather, whatever you'd like to refer to it as. I think Mono Red Aggro is really good in comparison to the power level of the format, very low to the ground. I think that you have decent card draw. There's a load of factors in the deck that stop the deck from losing to Flood. And it's similar to Modern Burn, where when you gave Modern Burn the Horizon Canopy lands, it suddenly became more consistent because you gave them so many draw outlets. It's very similar to Mono Red and Pioneer. 
you know, everything's low cost, and then you have, I think you have about seven or eight draw a card spells in Chandra, Light at the Stage, and sometimes they play Reckless Impulse. So, I believe, is Reckless Impulse legal in the format? I believe I've seen people cast it. Reckless Impulse, let's Google it quickly. Yes, it is legal in Pioneer. Yep, okay, cool. Yeah, and sometimes they pay Reckless Impulse, like I was saying. Um, overall, what would I stay away from in the Pioneer format? I would definitely stay away from Lotus Field right now. I don't like that deck. And I think that if you're playing against a load of main deck damping spheres out of mono green, because they just fetch it with Karn, you're playing against a load of Dovin's Vetoes from Azorius Control, you're playing against Thought Seizes and Pressure from Rakdos, like, I don't really like that I can list a lot of powerful cards against Lotus Field out of the top three decks. That's not a good thing for the deck. So I think you can realistically, you can play anything that you would like in Pioneer, but I would stay away from Lotus Field. Um, and how would I tackle against Green, Blue, White, and Rakdos as Lotus Field? I don't know. The only thing I could say is maybe... <sighs> The only thing I can say is maybe Anger of the Gods for Mono Green Ramp, because you could just cast it from the Lotus Field, but, you know, these are all very complicated things that I don't understand because I don't play the deck, and I just know that it's not well positioned. Um, I think that's honestly my general consensus for the Pioneer format, and I don't think there's really much else to it. You know, we do have these Pro Tours coming along, so I think that keeping track of the Pioneer format is decent, and, um, you know, it's, 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 I would say it's fun. I would say I have a good time in Pioneer. I definitely can get tilted quite easily because I think Modern and Pioneer both have the same premise that's quite tilting. And it's that every deck has a tilting card or a very good card. And it's tilting if they draw it a lot in all three games. And I think that maybe this is just a problem in general with card games. You know, playing it's a good card a lot is definitely annoying. So who knows? But I honestly am enjoying Pioneer right now, and I've been streaming a lot of it. I think I've streamed easily five leagues of green and blue-white control over the past week. So I would recommend trying it out if you can. You know, get a Mana Traders account. You can use me, mine, or Gab's code. Um, and yeah, just try it out. I think most decks are around, you know, two to 400 tickets, so it's not too hard to rent that. Um, and yeah, try it out. But that, to be honest, is going to be the end of this episode at the end of every episode, we do Life on the Line. For those who don't know, it's a theoretical tournament. If you win, you live. If you lose, you die. I guess I'm playing on my own in the event. In Modern, already hinted towards this, but I've got to go with Four Color Control. I think that, like I said, you're playing every best card in the format. So why wouldn't you just play Four Color Control and cast the best spells and make everyone try and hate against you or kill your Omnath, you know? So definitely go with Four Color Control in Modern. In Pioneer... Would you be surprised if I said Mono Green Ramp? And would you be even be more surprised if I said no changes to my showcase winning list? I don't think you'd be surprised, and I've loved that a lot. So, yeah, that's going to be it for this episode. Um, if you want to find me on any of my social media, HarryMTG, and I'm uploading almost daily on YouTube right now, streaming almost daily, twitch.tv slash HarryMTG. Join the podcast Discord, please. You can find the link in Midweek Metagames Twitter. I really appreciate if you're there. I'm chatting there basically every day for all your questions. But, you know, if you made it this far into the episode, I really appreciate you listening to me. This was just a 43-minute rant, which was a ton of fun. I really, really appreciated 
um, you guys listening. And hopefully I'll catch you guys next week with at least one of my co-hosts. I'll catch you guys next time.